Hello and welcome to the Professional PT Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Baker. I'm a physical therapist living and working in Southern Indiana, and I'm also the new professional for the Indiana APTA. Today, I'm bringing to you the third episode of the Professional PT Podcast. On this episode, we have Justin Bramer, a financial advisor based out of Indianapolis, and today we discuss student loans, how to organize them and manage them, and we touch on some other helpful tips for managing your finances as you're getting started in your career. Here we go. So Justin, thank you for being on today with me. I wanted to take a chance and allow you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about about yourself. We will be discussing the financial aspects, so it might be a little different for some of our listeners. They're more in the professional healthcare field and having, they might not understand kind of what goes into the financial advising aspect. So if you can introduce yourself, share a little bit about how you got to where you were, and then there's definitely some questions that we'll be asking you. Sure. No, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Justin Brammer. Uh, home office here is located in Indianapolis, Indiana. And a lot of people describe me as like a personal CFO in a sense. So more than what you might think of as a financial planner, but it's, you know, we'll get into this as we go through this conversation. But um, my role for my clients is more of a CFO. I got into this role uh, straight out of college. So about seven, eight years ago, and it it was really driven by finding something that allows me to help people. All the jobs that I ever worked um, since junior high or even elementary school, it was always driven by helping people achieve something. And so through my college years, I got a degree in business, but I really honed in on the idea of financial advising, financial planning, because I had a mentor uh, early on that that was a financial advisor, ran a very successful practice, and just hearing stories of the of how he was able to just change people's lives, change people's outlook on what they thought was possible versus um, what he was able to show them, it, it really um, sounded interesting to me. So I dove right in, did a couple of internships, and um, been doing this the last seven eight years, and. Uh, I, I don't see myself ever doing something different. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, my first question for you and the topic that we'll be covering today is student loans. They're they're quite a topic. And if you look on really in the news nationwide, or even if you are in your own household, student loans are everywhere and they're quite a burden to most of us. So speaking to those therapists that have just graduated from PTA school or PT school, what do you recommend for them to get their student loans in in line? Like we're talking like maybe weeks before graduation or weeks after graduation. How should they go about just getting a handle on their student loans? Yeah, so this, this is a very big one that I see almost daily is uh, people having questions, not knowing what to do with their student loans, how, how to best handle them. It doesn't help that there's lots of headlines going on now especially as the election's coming up and people are throwing out ideas as far as what they want to do if they get elected and but how it relates to someone that's coming straight out of school my first piece of advice would be to simply take an inventory of of what it is that you have Um, most people come out knowing what their balance is but typically that's that's about it (laughs) but my advice would be to, to really take a deep inventory, okay, 
what's the amount of student loans, but also what what's my interest rate that I'm paying on these? What types of student loans do I have? Do I have all federal? Do I have private? Do I have a combination of the two? And and really understand what it is that you have. Um, I, I I come across people that they meet with, kind of go through an exit interview with someone at the school, and they kind of get an idea of what it is that they have. But exploring, I mean, there's lots of different options out there as far as what might be best as far as the repayment strategy coming out of school. You may qualify for some type of forgiveness, whether it's PSLF or something more private to an employer. But really my biggest piece of advice is knowing more than your balance, but take an inventory of all the loans you have. You can log into your NSLBS file online. That's like a national um, student loan data system. So it has any federal loan that you have under your name. You can see balances. You can see all the data inside of this file. And so if you Google NSLBS, you can pull all of that data right in one spot. Okay. And you mentioned federal and private. Is there a difference? Because you'd also mentioned loan forgiveness. Like, can you get loan forgiveness on private loans? Or can you tell us the difference between the federal and private loans and maybe what, how those function differently when you go to organize them? Sure. So with private loans, those are through an independent bank or lender. It is typically you're set up on a 10, 20, time frame of, of when those need to be repaid. Um, built into those private loans, there's not any sort of forgiveness plan, so to speak. It's just a loan and you're expected to pay that off. Nice thing about private loans is you can refinance those essentially however often you want to refinance those. So if you come out of school on a 10-year payment track, but you want to extend it to create some cash flow, flexibility, you can extend it to a 20-year and refinance and maybe drop the interest rate. Um, on the federal side, which I would say most, the majority of people come out of school having federal loans, is um, there's certain types of programs that you can potentially qualify for, such as income-based repayment plans. Um, and, the, and the big one now is the PSLF, the Public Servant Loan Forgiveness Program. And, and this is one that you have a little bit more qualification that needs to happen to qualify for this. So if you work in a nonprofit setting, so if you like work for a hospital, more than likely you could qualify for this. The way this works is you have to be on an income-driven plan, and there's, there's something like nine of those. So there's pays you earn, there's revised pays you earn, there's income-based. Um, so there's many different plans inside just the federal type of student loan. Um, if you do work for a nonprofit, my advice would be to really explore um, the, the public forgiveness side of things before you do any sort of refinancing into a private loan. Because once you go from the federal loan to the private loan, you, you give up any sort of benefit of the federal loan forgiveness and income-based payment plans once you jump from the federal side over to the private side. So when you take that inventory right out of school, if you're seeing that you have federal loans that are direct loans um, that you took out in the last few years, um, and you work for a nonprofit hospital or a nonprofit institution, then you, you might take a hard look at 
what those income-based plans would look like and possibly um, getting on that track for the forgiveness, the 10-year forgiveness plan. And when you mention, yeah, be careful of or consolidation, going from federal to private and with private loans, it's, are private loans the only ones that you can consolidate or is there a federal program for your federal loans on consolidation or is it typically you go from federal loans go through reconsolidation and then it becomes a private loan so you can consolidate both types um if you have the federal loans um typically i work with a lot of residents and a lot of dentists coming right out of school a lot of pts and a lot of times right out of school we consolidate them um, especially if we're on that pslf track because um, if you're not making much money during school, essentially what you can do is you can consolidate your loans and start paying those loans. But if you show no income for the previous year in your household, then you can get the clock ticking and actually pay zero payments, but it actually qualifies for payments toward that 10-year student loan forgiveness plan. Uh, and a lot of people just aren't aware of that, don't don't realize that if you qualify for uh, working for that nonprofit and you meet the other qualifications, then by consolidating and getting the clock ticking, you're actually making qualifying payments, even if they're zero dollars, you actually make those qualifying payments to get closer to that forgiveness 10 years down the road. So even if the payment, what is required is zero dollars, but you're making some payment towards it, that starts the clock. If it were to be $0 for that first year and you don't make a payment that first year and you wait, whenever you make your first payment, that's when the start clock starts ticking? No. So actually, so the way this works is the income-driven plans are based on the income that you're showing. So if you're in school and you're not working, when you graduate and apply for this income-driven plan, well, most of these plans are cap are capping your payment at 10%. Well, if you're taking 10% of zero income, your required payment for that first year is going to be 10% of zero. So your required payment on that plan is going to be $0, which even though you're not paying anything out of pocket, that $0 payment that you're making, quote unquote, qualifies as a payment toward those 120 payments to get those loans forgiven. So yeah, it sounds kind of weird that you're making a $0 payment, but it actually does qualify. <laughs> Interesting. And is there, yeah. is there a max that gets forgiven? Say you graduate with $100,000 in student debt and you do qualify for this loan forgiveness, public servant forgiveness program. Is there only a certain amount, like only $50,000 gets re? forgiven or does it all get forgiven? And under the current plan, which when I said earlier, there's lots of talk right now about changing the way this works because currently there's there's about nine different strategies of income-based plans and they're, they're the talk right now is to make it closer to two different strategies. But under the current setup, there's no cap on how much is forgiven. So it'd be really be beneficial if you work with for a nonprofit to make sure that you qualify for that. And that's just for federal loans, correct? That's not for private loans. That is correct. Okay. And do you have, like, after you graduate, I remember when I graduated, I had what they called a grace period. And just so that gives you time, 
does has that grace period changed? What's the standard grace period that people have? And there's interest that goes along with these loans as well. So during that grace period, are you accumulating interest? Is there a benefit to pay off interest before you start paying on your loans? Yeah, so the grace period is six months. So that's from when you end your education to when that first payment is required. Now, there's not one right answer as far as when you start paying or do you just write out that whole grace period and then start paying. It, it really depends on your individual situation. So if you're coming um, from a, a, a dual income household where you have the ability to start paying, then then have at it. Start start chipping away at the student loans. Um, if you're in the position that you're still looking for that first job, still looking for a paycheck, <laughs> and, you, and you're you're in that sort of situation, then write that grace period out because that's what it's for. It's for you to be able to transition from the classroom, from that type of setting into the quote unquote real world. And so um, I have some people that start paying right away to avoid accrual of interest and that sort of thing. I have others that wait as long as they can and and then start paying um, when that grace period is about to run out. But that grace period is six six months is what it is. And does that... And during that six months, your interest is still accruing on those, correct? Correct, yeah. And can, yeah. So there... it can be advantageous to, to start paying on them just to minimize that accrual. Um, it, it really depends on your student loan balance. If you're looking at 50 grand or 150 grand or, or more than that, it, it really depends on what kind of situation you're looking at. And there's not necessarily a penalty for paying on this interest while you're in while you're in that grace period it, no 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 they, you won't get penalized the government or or the bank they'll they'll take your money anytime they can get it and they won't penalize you <laughs> i can imagine that <laughs> one thing i will say up to this point i focus primarily on that pslf if you work for a qualifying employer but that's not the only type of forgiveness there there is another type of forgiveness on the income driven plans that not everyone is aware of, that even if you don't work for a, a 501c3 or a non, nonprofit hospital or company type setup, is there's another type of repayment through the federal loans, but it, it's a longer period of time. It's either 20 or 25 years, depending on what type of income-driven plan you go with. The difference between qualifying for the PSLF and the non-PSLF federal loan forgiveness is under the PSLF, the balance that is forgiven is not taxable. So you get to the end of that 120 payments or 10 years of qualifying payments on your student loans, then let's say you have $100,000 left on your student loans. That $100,000 is simply wiped clean you don't pay taxes on any sort of balance that is forgiven. On the other type of forgiveness, so if you don't qualify for PSLF because of your employment situation, it's a longer track to forgiveness. It's still the income-based repayment. It's still federal loans. But under that setup, for whatever reason, the way they designed this, is you would pay taxes on the amount that's forgiven. So if you have $100,000 left, that $100,000 is going to show up as income on your tax return. So depending on your situation, again, all this 
there's not one cookie cutter strategy that makes sense, especially in the student loan space. But you, you really need to take a close look at whether it makes sense to go for that long-term forgiveness and keep it in the federal loan and do the income-driven plan or go the other route and refinance privately. But that's, that's two big differences between the two. PSLF, don't pay taxes on the amount that's forgiven. Non-PSLF forgiveness, you pay taxes on that balance forgiven. And it, there's situations where both of those make sense, and there's situations where both of those don't make sense. Gotcha. And would you say 10 years, does it have to be 10 consecutive years or can you work for a hospital for five years, you decide to go to a nonprofit and then say five years later, you go back to a nonprofit and work five years. Does it have to be consecutive or can that be forgiven? Yeah, good question. And this is one area that gets uh, confused a lot. It does not have to be consecutive. It's 120 qualifying payments toward those student loans. So just like you just said, if you work for a qualifying institution, you switch, go somewhere else to a private institution and then come back into the private sector um, and, and work in another institution that qualifies you for PSLF, then you get right back on that track for the 10-year forgiveness. But it doesn't have to be 10 consecutive years or 120 consecutive payments. It's just 120 cumulative payments of qualifying employment will get you the PSLS. And you say 120, if there's a month, say you miss a payment, does that mess up your qualification for that? <laughs> yes, so that's one, one, another area that I help my clients track is that uh, part of these income-based repayment plans in the PSLS, you have to recertify your income every year. So what you wanna make sure that you're tracking all along the way is whether it's Great Lakes or Navient, whoever your servicer is, make sure that they are recording all your payments properly and that, those are, that you're keeping track of those and those, those are being recorded on, on your profile or whatever to make sure that you're staying on track for forgiveness if that's what you're trending towards. Because if you do miss one that, let's say you miss one in the second year that of repayment, that could mess you up at 10 years. If it wasn't potentially, if yeah, because if you recording problem, yeah, if you think that you're a month away for forgiveness, but you didn't know that six years ago you missed a payment, then that's not going to be 120. <laughs> so right. it it could throw things off if you're not staying on top of things and making sure that you're you're going to accomplish what you want to. Mm -hmm. Now we know, like before college, was always those college scholarships that we can get to help reduce college payment or college costs, but is there anything after graduation that people can look at? Are scholarships still available or are there other employment scholarships that people can look at that they might not be aware of? So I, I have heard of some institutions, some employers that offer um, some assistance for student loans, whether they wipe it all out, whether they just give you a flat amount, whether you work there for a period of time, and then they give you some sort of assistance. Um, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything specific that you can do to get some assistance because once you've taken out those student loans, they're your student loans. <laughs> uh, but on the front end, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of um, scholarships and grants and things like that on the front end that if you can work on those 
prior to taking out student loans, it's only going to help you long term, put you in a better position. But as far as working on getting those things post school, post education, um, I have heard of some employers giving some sort of financial assistance for student loans. But it's, my guess is that would be primarily employer um, specific that that I'm aware of. Okay, good to know. Do you have any recommendations besides just student loans, what you've given so far for new graduates, for new professionals? Like, should they get a financial advisor? Should they create a budget? What are maybe the non-student loan aspects of financial health that new professionals should take inventory of when they, when they first graduate? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've yet to meet anyone that regretted working with myself or an advisor as early as they did more times than not is, Oh, I wish I would have started this earlier on. Um, and, and believe it or not, there's, there's conversations that can be beneficial uh, while you're in school, while you're nearing the end of your schooling, that getting connected with someone that's well-versed in this field, that, that knows what you'll be dealing with, um, absolutely. I think building that relationship, the sooner, the sooner that you can do that, the better off you're going to be. Um, and, and my advice for people that are coming out is don't take just inventory or student loans because that's very micro- that's very small picture, but take into account the big picture. So understand your student loans, understand that insurance policy that you took out five years ago for car insurance. Like let's take inventory of that. Let's understand once you get that new job, let's really understand what, what do the group benefits look like? So maybe they offer life insurance or a 401k or disability insurance is, not a whole lot of education goes on in the classroom on those topics. And so that's why getting connected with someone early on that can help you walk through, okay, this is what this type of insurance is. This is why it's important. This is why you should consider having it. Um, maybe your group benefits just check the box, but it's not the best type of coverage or benefit that you can get. So maybe you have to supplement it with something outside of your employer to make that one area better. Um, so just getting an idea of everything that you have and understanding what it is, is it benefiting you? Is it helping you get closer to your ultimate goal? Whatever that looks like, like take a hard look at that and just don't take the advice of maybe some sales guy that came into the classroom and sold you something. And now you don't really know why you have it. Maybe it's a good thing, but let's like <laughs> be certain on what it is that you're paying for and that it's the best thing for you. Great, great advice, and I glad you. I'm glad you bring that up because we're going to be bringing you back to discuss all of that. Kind of once we get your life together a little bit, what financially should you be looking at? So I appreciate you touching on that, and we'll be definitely getting back to that the next time we have you on. Is there anything else that you have that you want to mention to students or the new professionals that are coming out of school? And if if they have any questions for you, how can they contact you? Yeah, absolutely. The biggest recommendation is before you start that new job, before you get that first paycheck, is set an agenda of what it is that you want to have your money do. Because if you don't set an agenda for those dollars that you're going to be making that you've worked so hard to 
start making all that time and money and effort that you put into this, someone else is going to set an agenda for those dollars before you get a chance to do it. So whether that's creating a budget, going through and establishing what it is that you should be saving, how much you should be allocating toward your debt, toward savings, toward lifestyle, set that agenda before someone else does. Um, I, the, I'm located here in Indianapolis. I have clients in over 20 states. So if, if you want to get together, have a phone call at some point, I'd be glad to do that. Probably the best way to reach me would be uh, via email. And uh, my email is jgrammer at jaredbunch.com. Um, and I can, I can give you that, the contact information and you can push that out. But um, would love to have a conversation with you. I deal with uh, new professionals on a regular basis. That's where I spend most of my time. Um, so going from one phase of your career to the next, lots of things need to be considered, not just student loans, but I know that is a very big one that um, can, can have a big influence on your long-term success. Great. Well, thank you, Justin. I'll make sure to put that email contact into our information on the podcast. So I want to thank you for joining me today and I look forward to having you back soon. Thank you. Thank you to Justin for being on the show with us today and giving helpful advice for managing student loans. I will have Justin's contact information in the show notes. So if you have any questions for him, please reach out to him. And thank you for taking the time to listen. We want to discuss topics that matter to you. As always, if you have any questions from this episode or have an idea that you want to talk about, shoot me an email at jessica.baker.dpt at gmail.com. I hope you find value here that helps you professionally and personally. Come back and listen in to the Professional PT Podcast.